Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Jody. How are you? I am good. It's almost the end of the year. I know. It's crazy. This is our last episode. How are you feeling? It's so bizarre to come off alive and tell the guests, you're our last guest of the year. Um, You know, it's kind of bittersweet. This is our fifth anniversary year, and it also launched our 200th episode. So this is a very, very big milestone for us, and I've enjoyed every step of it. Yeah, it was an exciting year, and like you said, very bittersweet, but I am excited for what we have ahead for our guests. Yes, 2023 is totally going to top 2022, which is hard to imagine, but we're going to continue bringing these amazing career journey stories to our listeners because they're so, so, so curious, just like we are. Right. And I think we are ending it with a really good guest. Um, Today, we have Yankee Pike, CEO and co-founder of Rayelle. And I just really love her story of, you know, being at a dream job, leaving Disney, starting this business with her partner. It's just a really incredible career journey. Yeah, for me, being a Disney um, super fan, it's so cool to talk to someone who worked within that organization. Um, and it's hard to imagine wanting to leave Disney. You know, that was her dream job to be in um, Hollywood entertainment. So, you know, she left that job to start an adventure. And it's certainly being an entrepreneur <laughs> is a huge adventure. Definitely. I think our guests are really going to like the stories that she has to share with us today. So let's get into it. Let's go for it. All right. Episode 223. Enjoy. Welcome back to Where Brains Meet Beauty, our last episode of our health theme quarter and our last episode of the year. So this is a really exciting one, Yangi. Awesome. Thank you. We are so thankful for everyone that has joined us in our fifth anniversary year. It's been a very memorable time. Our quarterly themes this year have been focused on technology, sustainability, artistry, and now we're finishing up our health theme. We're honored to have been joined by guests like Chris Appleton, Dr. Michelle Henry, Mally Roncall, Kim Bogash, just to name a few. While wrapping up another year is always bittersweet, we are so excited for what we have in store for our listeners next year. Our new themes truly bring together the best parts of brains and beauty, and we can't wait to share them with you. Make sure to keep up with us on Instagram as we gear up for another great year. And don't forget to send us your guest suggestions. If you have someone who would be the perfect fit for the show, just let us know. So now let's get on with our final show. Today's guest is someone whose company is making pivotal moves in the feminine care industry and aligns perfectly with our health theme quarter. Today's guest is Yang Hee Pike, CEO and co-founder of Rael. Rael is a Korean-American-owned brand that designs safe, effective products that support all phases of your cycle and the impact on wellness beyond your period. Born from the lack of quality feminine care in America, Rael provides clean, incredibly effective self-care alternatives that are produced from high-quality organic materials from the U.S., utilizing cutting-edge Korean manufacturing technology. As a seasoned professional with over 10 years of experience in corporate strategy, sales, marketing, and global expansion, Yang Yi has been the driving force in growing Rael and expanding its reach, and she's been leading a full-time team in both Korea and in Los Angeles. But there's more. She's deeply passionate about building a global business and making an impact on everyday lives of women all around the world. 
previously, Yang-Hee was the director of the Walt Disney Studios, focusing on digital movie distribution and sales. Prior to joining Disney, she worked as a management consultant at the Boston Consulting Group in the LA office, and she served various global tech and consumer product companies based in the US and Asia and presented solutions to their strategic and operational problems. A native of Seoul, Korea, Yang Hee earned her MBA from Harvard Business School and received a BA degree in business from Seoul National University. Now she considers LA her home and loves its sunny weather, diverse culture, and excellent Korean food. Be sure to check out the brand on Instagram at get underscore royale. Okay, welcome to where brains meet beauty. <laughs> oh my God, thank you so much for the amazing introduction. Really appreciate it. Um, well, we're so glad that you're here. And like I said, you're our last episode of the year, which is so bizarre. It's December 1st, like the year's <laughs> it's over. We're, we're starting planning on next year. And, you know, when we're in the world of marketing, our heads are, you know, where our projects are, right? So you might even be in summer or fall right now. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe it's December already. Mm-hmm. So um, our first question is my favorite, Yang Hee, because we're a career journey show. And I want you to go back in time to your 11-year-old self. What do you want to be when you grow up? So it's a little embarrassing to share, but um, when I was 11, I was living in Korea and I had different interests. Um, I was taking ballet classes thinking that I wanted to become a ballerina and I took vocal classes thinking that I want to become a K-pop singer. Um, But I think once I got into middle school, I quickly realized that you have to be super talented, you know, in order to become a really like a professional artist. So I kind of gave up on those and then decided to pursue just like a normal student life, you know, studying hard and working hard. Uh, and I think in, in high school, um, I just was fascinated by the business world. So I knew that I wanted to become a business person, an executive. Um, and then when I went to college, I thought that getting into entertainment business could be a optimal solution. Okay, I become a business person. I use my hobby to be my job. So that was my passion when I was in my 20s. Um, I think a lot of people want to be K-pop stars. I just um, <laughs> went to a Broadway show. It's called K-pop. So it's, um, you know, to try to give you oh. like a behind the scenes look of what it takes to, you know, start as a kid and, you know, try to advance your career. And obviously it's incredibly hard and challenging and you, you have mm-hmm. to give up quite a bit um, right. to make it. But I love the show. It was so good. So <laughs> next time in New York, maybe you'd want to see this Broadway show. I know. I should check it out. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So um, let's talk about um, toxins. <laughs> what, a, <laughs> what a way to start. Um, so you told that so you told us um, in our intake call that before you started the brand, you really didn't know much about the toxins that were being added to feminine care products. So what inspired you to join this movement? So it was actually a coincidence. I call myself an accidental entrepreneur because I was not really like working in the industry or had anything to do with feminine care industry, you know, um, before starting Rael. So what happened was it was my dream to work in Hollywood, work in entertainment. So I spent almost eight years at Disney working as a movie distributor. Um, I thought I was going to retire from Disney, but life is interesting. You know, after spending that long time, I started wondering what my next steps should be. And I wanted to be in a position where I can make a lot of impact on people's lives in a more direct way. I wanted to be a decision maker, not have to go through layers of decision making process to get anything done. Uh, and I also wanted to be in a more fast paced entrepreneurial, you know, environment than more like the incumbent, you know, environment. 
Uh, and one day I met my co-founders. Um, one of my co-founders, her name is Anes, and she's actually a journalist and writer. Uh, she was a journalist and writer before starting Rael. And we met up one day, started talking about life. And after she had babies, you know, she looked for more organic natural options in feminine care as she dealt with a lot of irritations and skin allergies with the conventional products. And she told me how difficult it was to find anything natural and then uh, made with organic ingredients. And then she asked me actually if I knew anything about what these conventional pads and tampons were made of. And I had to think about it. I mean, I've been using these products, what, for like 25 years of my life, every month for a few days, never really questioned, you know, what these products were made of or even bothered to look into the ingredient list, right? I mean, we never really talk about it. So it kind of hit me that, oh my God, all these women who use these products for almost 40 years of their lives, they just never pay attention to these. We never really questioned that. And we just didn't, we just were, are not empowered to know what we're using and then make the better decision for us. So we saw that there was some big gap in the market where people are looking for, you know, more better for you, better for the environment products, but the industry was not really offering those. Another conversation that I had with Anes is that we are both immigrants to the U.S. You know, we moved from Korea about 12, 15 years ago. And one of the first things that we discovered after we got here was lack of high quality feminine care products. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we would shop in big retailers and just like, you know, you just use the big brand name products, but they were not made with high quality ingredients and they did not work very well. So whenever we went back to Korea, we would actually bring a suitcase of feminine care products from Korea. So in addition to K-beauty products, we would actually bring a lot of Korean products because they work so well. Um, so we had this idea that, yeah, let's look into this organic natural space so that people can access better for you, better for the environment, feminine care options. And then let's introduce the novel technology from Korea that make the products, you know, very high performing, comfortable so that people don't have to sacrifice performance and comfort while choosing a healthy option. So that was the first kind of like startup idea that we discussed over dinner. And then things happened really quickly. I was a little scared of losing, like, you know, like giving up my Disney job. But then I felt that I was ready to start something crazy in my life, you know, um, and quit my job, got into it, created our first organic cotton pads. Uh, and then once we launched the products on Amazon, uh, we got such great reviews that it's been a long journey after that over the last five years. Okay, so let's go back to this dinner. What did what did she tell you was in the conventional products that you're using? So a lot of the plastic ingredients. Um, so those chemical ingredients that we cannot even pronounce, you know, when, when we see them on, you know, the ingredient list. And to be honest, back then, uh, companies were not required to display the ingredient list on the packaging. So we couldn't even find what these products were made of. We had to look online and then they have some websites showing what these ingredients are and they had to look up all these chemicals. So just know that they are not made with natural ingredients and mostly just like plastic ingredients. And we were shocked that we're putting these plastic ingredients into our bodies for like 40 years of our lives, you know, every month. Um, so while we care so much about what we eat, like organic food, organic fruit, and what we put on our face, you know, clean beauty, it's like out there, but nobody has been really caring about what they put into their intimate part of the body. So we thought that we, we thought that we had to do something about that. Right. How many dinners, lunches, and coffees did it take until you were ready to jump ship <laughs> and start this journey? Oh man, I cannot remember how many, but <laughs> 
I would say a good three, four months, really. Um, so I kept my full-time job and then I would meet up with my co-founders, you know, talk, talk about the business and the opportunities. And I really wanted to make sure that, you know, we get along as co-founders. Um, and we're all very different. You know, we have, we have come from a very different diverse background, which I think helped because, uh, Anes comes from a writing background. Uh, Pinna, my second co-founder, she comes from a graphic design background. I'm the one with the more like general management background. So, uh, after three, four months of really like discussing and then um, debating about the business together with them, I felt that this was the right team, the right opportunity, and then was ready to jump in. Um, okay, this journey of leaving a very probably comfortable, steady corporate job, moving into um, a world that you you know you didn't have any experience with, and your founders didn't either, right? You're all sort of jumping off the cliff together. Um, was there a moment in time, or like something that someone said, or a piece of research that you did, or an insight where you're like, you know what, I'm absolutely convinced this is something I really want to dedicate myself to? Um. You know, um, I mean, it was more like my personal experience, actually, you know, um, just the fact that I didn't know anything about this, even though I have been using these for like 25 years of my life, you know, I thought there has to be a company out there educating women about what these products are made of and then providing better options to them. I think just the fact that I didn't know about this, I'm a pretty sophisticated, well-educated woman, but I never cared about it for so many years of my life. I think that was kind of like an eye-opening experience that I thought I knew so much about what I do, how I care about myself, but this was one area of wellness and healthcare that nobody was really, you know, um, addressing. So I think just that fact was really the eye-opening moment. And, you know, I did a lot of research actually before jumping into it, asking my friends from business school or core in investment and VC community everywhere. And everybody was like, yeah, you're right. Because like everybody's getting into this tech industry, you know, uh, beauty industry all over. But this feminine care industry has been somewhat a forgotten industry that nobody was really investing in or like jumping into. It's been dominated by the big brands for almost like a hundred years, you know. So I think it's just like listening to all these stories from different stakeholders really got me convinced that uh, we got to do something about that. We want to be the pioneer um, in making a big impact on women's wellness. Um, in my day job at Base Beauty, we've done a lot of research on um, the menstrual health space, specifically um, that transition into perimenopause. Um, and what we learned, because you were mentioning how like, you know, the, the same brands have just owned the space for so long, it's been like forgotten. Um, what we learned in our research is that brands at that time, you know, before um, disruptive brands started to come their way, uh, there were there was one time that the brand really spoke to the customer, which was like when she got her period at 11, 12 or 13 years old. And then um, really didn't speak to her again until maybe some of the brands would speak to her after her first child. But those were really the, the only moments in time when the brand was making a true effort to connect with the customer, educate them. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of periods <laughs> like that come that come <laughs> after someone's first child. And there was just, you know, no, no mention of the fact that cycles change and hormones change. So um, it's definitely been like the forgotten aisle in the um, drugstore. And it's really wonderful to see that there was awareness around um, what we're putting on our bodies and in our bodies. Um, and now that um, with brands like yours, customers can really shop with their values, right? And they really yeah. couldn't do that before. There were just weren't any options. 
Yeah, for sure. And then, you know, another thing that we're also uh, making an effort on is uh, growing the or like expanding our brand into different categories. Mm -hmm. So we're not only playing in the period care uh, space, but we have expanded into feminine hygiene. So we are offering more natural solutions um, than the conventional ones, including a lot of artificial fragrances. And we also got into skincare. Um, so, you know, we're offering clean vegan skincare that help with all the hormonal acne and breakouts. So we're making a lot of touch points with our customers. So it's not only like that when you're like 12 and then 30, but every month, you know, there's so many other products that we're offering that are made with cleaner ingredients. So uh, we're really pushing our holistic approach to women's wellness and then want to build a trust with our customer that way. Well, um, anyone who's listened to this podcast knows that I'm in a Disney obsessed family. So when you told me that you were at Disney, I was super excited. Um, we like, we really are Disney obsessed. Like we watch all the movies, we go to, you know, as many Disney theme parks and cruises and whatever is possible. Um, and I just love the magic of Disney. So I'm so curious to hear about, you know, after your time at Disney, like what did you learn there that you totally apply to your entrepreneurial endeavors today? Mm -hmm. oh, there's so many learnings from Disney. And then, you know, nowadays there's Bob Iger, Mr. Bob Iger coming back as CEO. So we learn just as, you know, consumers learn so much about the Disney magic and what's going on there. For me personally, I would say there were three key learnings. Um, so the first thing is, um, while Disney is a happy place, uh, it's also a very complex organization. There are so many different departments and then businesses, different types of people, creative, and then the corporate, you know, business people. So I think while working there for almost eight years, I learned how to present myself, read the room, understand every team's and everybody's kind of motivation and then um, deliver more like the convincing argument or convince people, you know, to listen to me and then really like um, kind of like listen to my recommendations. So I think like navigating through those politics and different organizations, you know, helped me a lot to, you know, uh, work with our investors and then my team and my co-founders and all the different stakeholders that I have at Rael. So that I would say was the first learning. Uh, the second thing is um, I focused a lot on international expansion when I was at Disney. So while I was at corporate uh, or headquarters in Burbank, I worked with team in China, Korea, Japan, Europe, uh, Latin America, so many different cultures. So uh, diversity, inclusivity, you know, I learned a lot, you know, from them and learned how different things can be in one region versus the other, uh, especially with content, you know, culture matters a lot, how they interpret the content, how they view different, different views. So uh, that really helped me understand different cultures and be very open-minded and then embrace inclusivity and diversity. Um, I would say the last thing, you know, probably the most important is the power of company values and culture. So everyone who works at Disney really loves Disney as a brand, also the products, they're so proud of being there. So I would say that, you know, the company values, employees values are very much like aligned. And then um, the culture really comes out of it. So even at Rael, you know, we have so many amazing talents at the company who really believe in what we do, who love our products. And I think, you know, the alignment between the company values, the employee values, you know, is really helping push our company forward and then make the culture really strong. So I want to keep all these like learnings in my mind running my business and, you know, we could be as, you know, a successful company as Disney one day. Oh, I love that. Um, no doubt. Mm -hmm. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about um, what it takes to run a business from on a personal level. There's um, 
if you love your job, you're always thinking about it, right? Like you wake up in the middle of the night, probably with an idea and you go to sleep with other ideas and um, <laughs> having all the mental lists. And when you love your job, that's not really draining, right? It's, um, you know, really invigorating. But, you know, I think there's this kind of risk of becoming like um, one note or not very dynamic, right? When we put all of our focus completely into our work. So I'm curious, like, how do you actually um, carve out time and prioritize things outside of work when work is so fun? Yeah, I mean, to be honest, as an entrepreneur, it's not as easy to really find the balance between work and life. Um, what I do, though, uh, is I go to Korea every six months, so I make two trips a year. Uh, my family still lives in Korea, so I like going there to see my family. But also, we have our Korea office in Korea, so I make it a business trip out of it. So every time I go back home, I see my family and old friends, but then I work with our Korea team. And it's really fun because since I go there every six months, I can kind of see like how much it changed, like our brand kind of like status and also like the trends, you know, how much it changed. So even though I'm kind of like working, I go to all these beauty health, you know, doors, uh, stores to find some new innovation and ideas. So it just gives me a lot of in inspiration and just, uh, it's like a relaxing, fun trip for me, even though it could be, you know, a work trip. So I think that's kind of like what drives me. Okay. So after six months, I'll go home and then I'll have all these like fun kind of visit to stores, see my family and then come back here and then work through, you know, the six months and then go back. So I would say that has been kind of like a way for me to stay grounded and then just like motivate myself constantly. Right. It's like a benchmarker, um, a milestone marker. Right. And it teaches your body to be like, OK, I'm going to grind and put my head down. And then in a blip, it, it, it will be the next trip. Right. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. um, I, I love having trips on the calendar. And I do think there's something I don't know if meditative is the right word, but when I know that there's something like that I'm looking forward to, it really does shift my perspective. Um, and when I don't have trips planned, <laughs> like I'm bummed out, right? <laughs> like I, I feel it. So um, I think it's really interesting that you use these visits back home, even though of course, like beauty is your passion. So like when you're socializing, you're probably socializing around beauty. And when you're, you know, shopping, you're shopping around beauty, but you're using this as a way to kind of reboot. Yeah. Um, and create another milestone. Yeah. And another thing that I realized is that, you know, when I'm here in LA, I feel like I have to go to all these meetings and then work with my team. And then when I'm in Korea, I just delegate to the team. I cannot be in every meeting, right? So you guys figure out, I'll just spend time with the Korea team and nothing really like, you know, uh, collapsed, you know, fell apart. So I'm also learning how to delegate more to my team. And then sometimes I don't really have to be all in all these meetings myself. So that's another way for me just like to push myself to step back a little bit time to time. Um, I, I do love my job too. And I feel like completely seduced by it. I know it's a strange and disarming word around business, but um, every time I reach a goal, my business calls to me, like, keep going, keep going, right? But I, I do find, or I have, to, I have to have techniques to, you know, stop and to say, okay, enough for today. Um, and I think it's um, often driven by how I define success. So I'm super curious on this topic. And for you, like, when you started your career, you know, when you got that, maybe that first um, job at Disney, how did you define success at that time? I think at that time, I have very clear goal. Okay, I wanted to be in one of the major studios in Hollywood. 
I wanted to be a VP, like a director VP, you know, those were very kind of like specific <laughs> kind of goals I had. And I was just like checking boxes. Okay, I did that. I did this, you know. Um, so that was kind of like what success meant to me, I think, in my previous career. But once I got there, I felt like, oh, I was not 100% fulfilled and I needed more. And I think what more meant to me was more impact that I could really make. So it's not just about the title and then you know, like what kind of role I get, but it's more about like how meaningful, you know, the job was and what kind of like leadership opportunities I was getting, you know, to become an executive, like senior executive that I wanted to become. So it has evolved a lot, I think, you know, from those times when I was younger and it was just like going through the corporate ladder to go up. Mm -hmm. um, in my 20s, I thought success meant money, <laughs> which, which I didn't <laughs> have then. And now for me, it's more like um, being wealthy and freedom, you know, wealthy and flexibility. Um, those are the things that are meaningful to me now. Um, and it's fun to look back and see, you know, where my head was. Um, and mm -hmm. I guess like how um, singularly focused I was, even like that I was so, I was so far from having <laughs> any money, you know, I had a job, but I had a lot of expenses. Um, but that was what, you know, myself and my peers um, perceived as success. You know, it wasn't like mm -hmm. I was the only person yeah. thinking this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, this has been so much fun. I'm so thankful to you. Thank you for joining us today. And you are our 223rd episode, Yanghee. So thank you. I feel so honored. Well, thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. And this concludes our episode, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our last episode in our health theme quarter. And this is our last episode of the year. We have so many exciting themes and guests coming your way next year, and we can't wait to share them with you. As always, make sure you're following us on Instagram to stay up to date on what's next and to see the fun that happens behind the scenes. And from the entire We're Bringing Seeds Beauty team, we want to thank you again for joining us on our fifth anniversary year, and we wish everyone a happy holiday. Thank you. Thank you. Happy holidays, everyone. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.